thing is the children's bread. Throughout the whole Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, it is quite evident that healing was commonplace. Healing of sickness, disease, and infirmities. And we know that sickness was ultimately one of the consequences of the fall in Eden. And sometimes it manifested itself in various forms. There were times when it was a direct attack of Satan. Uh, we think of the case of Job in the Old Testament, how the Scriptures say that Satan went forth from the presence of God and he smote Job with boils. We think in uh, Luke 13 of the little woman who was bowed over for 18 years, that Jesus commented and says, Lo, whom Satan has bound these 18 years. Sometimes it was through demonic activity, like the story that we just read, the Syrophoenician woman, or the deaf and dumb person in Mark chapter 9, if you want to just turn over for that. Verse 14, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and the scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who had a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him. Uh, notice, by the way, that the spirit itself was not deaf and dumb. It certainly heard Jesus and it certainly cried out, but it had the power to make the person that possessed deaf and dumb. And so Jesus cast it out. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? He said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. In Mark chapter 7, just after we finish reading there at the beginning, there's another deaf mute. And notice how differently this story compares to the one we just read. In verse 31, Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and says, Ephrathah, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of the tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. And he commanded them that they should tell no one, but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Did you notice that there was not one word about demonic activity in that particular story? No casting out of a demon, no commanding a demon to leave, and yet he was deaf and dumb, just like the boy. 
In John chapter 9, John's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciple asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That was a common uh, understanding in those days. Uh, that would be very prevalent. And that went back a long, long time. Do you remember Job? The inference by Job's so-called comforters was when he was smitten with boils and so forth and he lost his family is that you have hidden sin. You must have done something wrong for this calamity to come upon you. And so that was the prevailing thinking in those days that if somebody had an illness, a disease or something like this or born blind that either the parents or the person who was blind had did, did something to bring this about on themselves. And so Jesus answers that. He said in verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now, of course, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So he's not saying that they had never sinned in the sense that. But what he's saying is that any sin they ever committed didn't result in this. Uh, they didn't sin. This didn't bring. Sin didn't bring this on. That's what he's saying. And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But that the works of God should be revealed in him... I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Some believe that when Jesus said, Neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that works of God should be revealed in him, that you stop there. And that implies, of course, that God made the man blind so that when Jesus would come along, he would heal him of his blindness. But it's not right. And you've got to understand when the Bible was written originally, there was no uh, grammatical full stops and commas and whatever. That was put in by the translators. So the way I read it is actually the way. Notice how I read that. Neither has this man sinned or his parents stop. But that the works of God should be revealed in him, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and he made clay with the saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. He said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, you may wonder why he made clay. He spat and made clay. is because if you read all the whole story, which we want, this was done on the Sabbath day. And that constituted work. In the rules and regulations of the Pharisees, not God made this rule, but they made this rule that if you made clay, anything out of clay on the Sabbath day, you were working. You were breaking the Sabbath. So Jesus deliberately confronted their, their conventions and their traditions, and it caused a whole furore, as you could, if you read on, you would see. So we're reading these scriptures to remind ourselves about Jesus and the ministry that he had. Now, some sicknesses were either directly caused by Satan or demonic activity. Others are just the indirect result of our fallen world that we live in. And no doubt about it, our lifespans has been shortened and sickness and disease is prevalent. And all of that was brought about, of course, by the fall. But what about today? Can we, should we expect to believe and pray for the sick to be healed. Now, there's many who say, of course, that the day of miracles and healings are finished. They're over. Uh, they died away with the last of the apostles. And as long as we have got the Bible, then uh, we don't really, that's not the era today. That was for them. And it was introduced then in order for the gospel to get a toehold and, and to take off on the earth. But now that we have the full canon of Scripture, and now that the apostles has died away, that it's no longer required. The trouble with that thinking is you cannot find Scripture for it. You cannot find Scripture for that. Again, it's a tradition of men. It's a widely held tradition, but it's still a tradition. And it's not a scriptural one. There's absolutely no historical or scriptural evidence for that 
whatsoever. Then there's those who would argue that perhaps this is God's way of correcting us or teaching us a lesson. And so he makes us sick, he makes us infirm, we're laid aside, he can teach us a lesson. Now there's no question if you were laid aside and you had time to seek the Lord and more time to read the Bible and to pray, no doubt you could learn lots of things. But that's different than saying that God actually made you sick to teach you a lesson. Isn't it interesting? The people who say that the most are the people who try to get rid of that sickness the most. If you truly believe that God has made you sick for that purpose, to teach you a lesson or to sanctify you in some way, why in the world would you want to get rid of it? Surely you'd want to learn more and be taught more. But actually the people who teach that are the ones who fight it the most, which seems a bit strange, does it not? So let us be fully persuaded. Is it God's will, will to heal today? And is it God's will to heal me today? Let us be persuaded. Because unless and until we're persuaded, it may not happen. We have to be persuaded. How are we going to know what God's will is? The best way... And actually, the only way to know what God's will is, is to read His will. This is His will. The New Testament, in effect, is God's last will and testament for us. And so, if you had a solicitor who contacted you tomorrow morning and rang you up and said, listen... There has been a far-out relative, and they have died, and they have mentioned you in their will. You know what you would say? What time does your office open? I want to know what's in that will. There's something in that will for me. I mentioned in that will. I must know that you wouldn't sleep in your bed till you found out. Do you want to know what God's will is regarding this? Read His will. This is His will will. And that's the only way you're going to find it, is to read it and to see what God has said. In fact, in the three plus years that Jesus ministered on the earth, and out of all the thousands of people that he ministered to, only one time, and one time only, was his will ever questioned regarding healing. Now, isn't that amazing? Actually, it isn't amazing because people understood that it was His will. They had no doubt about it whatsoever. They had seen Him do it so many times. But for whatever reason, this one man, this leprous man came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing. He had no doubt He was able because He had seen it too. But for some reason or other, he wondered, are you willing to do this? And Jesus answered in the affirmative. I am willing, he said. He could have said nothing. He could have reached out and touched him. He could have said, go your way and you'll be cleansed. But he made it absolutely clear to that one person who doubted his will. It is my will. Be cleansed. And the man received what he wanted. Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If his will was that then, and he hasn't changed, guess what? His will is still the same today, isn't it? Matthew twelve fifteen. Great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Matthew 14, 36, as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. Luke 6, 19, the whole multitude sought to touch him and he healed them all. Now, it's a big subject and I can't in one short service go over all of the scriptures and give you every explanation because right now, some of these may be thinking, ah, but what about Paul's thorn? What about Trophimus? What about Epaphroditus? What about this? What about that? I haven't time to go into all of that today. But there's an answer for all of that, by the way. 
Matthew 8, 16 and 17, listen to this. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Luke 440. When the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with different diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. Just maybe I should just mention it, talk about mention Paul's thorn there. He called it the messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. If you look up the original language, that word messenger, the many, many times it's mentioned in the Bible, never once was it mentioned as sickness. Never once. And yet we've made out that he was sick, that he was a small man with bendy legs and he had bad eyesight and he had all the rest. I mean, there's just so many things that's made up about that. But it's not, the Bible doesn't say it was a sickness. Everywhere Paul went, that messenger of Satan attacked him. Continually, every city he went to, it stirred up the people and stirred up the authorities. No wonder he got tired and sick of it. But the Lord says, my grace is sufficient. It will be more than enough. And it was more than enough, wasn't it? So let's not put into God's mouth words that he didn't say simply because it's their tradition. And when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with different diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. Now this continued through the ministry of the apostles. If you read in Acts 8, which we won't because of time, but if you read there, Philip having the great revival in Samaria, and how that many devils were cast out, and many miracles took place, and many who were sick were healed. And then if you read in Acts 3, you see Peter and how they were going to the temple to pray. And at the gate beautiful, the mom was lying who was crippled, asking for alms, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he grabbed him the hand and pulled him up. And then if you read in Acts 14, you see Paul at Lystra when he was preaching there was a man who was crippled from birth sitting there, Paul perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Said to him in a loud voice, Stand up on your feet. And he stood up. And he received a mighty healing. And if you read church history, beyond the apostles, even early church history, beyond the apostles, and all the way through, even into latter years and, and in recent times, even revivals in different centuries. And many times there was healing revivals. In the 1940s, particularly from 1948 into the early 50s, all over the world there was healing revivals. There was mighty revivals. James White came from America to the King's Hall. He filled the King's Hall night after night after night. The people were lined up outside and mighty miracles were happening. And there was prayers. I remember prayers in the 50s when things were happening. So let's not say it's passed away with the apostles because it didn't and it hasn't. Maybe in the Western world we're not seeing as much as we should be seeing, but that doesn't mean to say it stopped. You can't argue from silence. Isaiah 53. In verse 4 and verse 5, surely... He has borne our griefs. The word griefs there is sicknesses. It's very clear. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, there's no question, there's absolutely no question 
that it relates to the healing of our sinful nature where God can cleanse us and heal us of that past that we had. But there's also no question, because he makes it clear, and we'll see it in the New Testament, where it's referred back to this, that he's also talking about physical sicknesses and diseases. Because if you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So people would argue and say, you see, he's talking about our sins. Yes, he is. But he's also talking about our sicknesses. How do you know that? Well, Matthew tells us that. Matthew chapter 8. Verse 16, And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and healed all who were sick. Note, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself, saying, He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. What could be clearer and plainer than that? In James chapter 5, and then we'll pray. James said in verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? In the King James it says afflicted. This first part, is any among you afflicted or suffering, does not refer to sickness. We'll come to that in a moment. It refers to trouble, and particularly persecution, for righteousness' sake. What does it say about that? Let him pray. Now there's a place and there's a time and it's right that we pray for one another. And we do that consistently and regularly. We do that in our prayer meetings. We do that in our home groups. And we do that here often. And that's fine, that's good. But James is telling us here, make sure that you do more than that. Just get everybody to pray for you. You have some responsibility. You need to pray. You need to take this before the Lord. Now there's times whenever we're tired and we're weary, and it's great when people come along and surround us and pray for us, that's good. But we must never negate our responsibility to pray for ourselves whenever we are in trouble. We're not just dependent on everybody else, because there may be some times when you don't have anybody else, and there's nobody else around. So you have to learn to pray for yourself. But note this. Is anyone you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Why anointing with oil? Is there any healing virtue in oil? No. Not particularly, no. Now, even though in those Bible days, if people was on journeys, they carried a little bottle of oil. If they got cuts or bruises or scrapes, they put oil on it. That's fine. It's, it was soothing. You see, there's some says, oh, well, this anointing oil, you're smearing with oil and the healing is in the oil. It's not. If that was the case, you wouldn't need to pray in the name of Jesus. You wouldn't need the elders to put it on you. You know what I mean? People look for all kinds of reasons for these things, but it's very simple. Whenever in, in Mark 6, whenever Jesus sent out the disciples and they were praying for people, they anointed, it says they anointed them with oil. And it's like a point of contact. Oil often is represented with the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And at that moment... And at this moment, in a moment, whenever we pray and we anoint you with oil, believe at that moment when you're anointed with oil and we pray, believe at that moment that Christ will touch you. That He will touch you. That He will minister to you. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if committed sins, He will be forgiven. 
Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. For the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That little tailpiece at the end is important, by the way. If you're fighting and arguing and bickering among yourselves, you need to confess to each other and pray for each other. The best way to overcome that is pray for one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. You say, with all that bickering and arguing and fighting and backbite, would that, would that cause you to be sick? Absolutely. In fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul deals with the Holy Communion, he says, for this reason many are weak and sickly among you, many die. Because they were fighting and arguing and bickering among each other. And not only was it affecting spiritually, but it was affecting physically. Why? Because it opens the door for the enemy to come in and attack you. So, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. So that's what we're going to do this morning for anyone. Now, I'm not going to tell you who the person is, but somebody specifically asked me what to do this. Not today, but we talked about this weeks ago. Because correctly, you're supposed to invite the elders to do this. But in this instance, we're all here. And if you're sick then we're going to pray for you, we're going to believe with you, and believe at that moment that you're prayed for, that the Lord will touch you, and He'll bring His healing into your body, and make you well, and make you whole. Read those scriptures that I shared these few minutes, when you go home today. In fact, look at every healing scripture you can find in the New Testament, and read it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, until you are absolutely convinced this is what God wants for me. You say, but what about those who don't get healed? There's lots of what abouts. I haven't answered everything. I can only go by what God's Word says. That's what I can only go by. There's not a big lot of room up here, by the way, as you can see. But we don't need a big lot of room. I've got a bottle of oil. I've got a tissue. There's no healing power in that oil. It's just regular Tesco olive oil. It's not from the Holy Land. <laughs> It's not prayed over by some rabbi in Jerusalem. <laughs> but you know what it means through the scripture, all right? And so we're going to pray. We're going to believe God. Where's Sister Grace? Could you just play just a little bit? And let me just make sure these leads is out of the way. Just pray for a moment. Lord, this morning we have looked at the scriptures and we believe your word is true. We thank you today, Lord, in your mercy. And in your great love and compassion for us, you want to touch us spiritually, physically, emotionally, and every part of our bodies. Lord, you made us whole. We're spirit, we're mind, we're body, we're soul. And Lord, if one part of us hurts, it affects the other parts. And Lord, there's people in this room today who are hurting. They're challenged by sickness and by pain and by hurt in their bodies. There's others, Lord, and 
They're challenged by situations. They want to crush the very life out of them. Today we want to join together, believing in faith, that you will minister your healing to body, to soul, to spirit, to every part of us, Lord, that we may rise up in strength and serve you. So we give you thanks, Lord, today. And as we reach out in the name that is above every name, the only name, the name of Jesus, we're going to trust that name. Thank you, Lord, for this. We believe it, and we're going to receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So whoever needs prayer, I want you to come up and just stand here. I know there's little room, but we can manage. Why don't everybody just stand at the moment? That'd make it a little bit easier for those who want to come out. If you want to stand in for somebody too, there may be somebody not here today, couldn't be here, and you want to stand in for them. But then tell me that if you're standing in for somebody, but when they come to you, then tell us that so that we can just uh, know what we're praying about. And then whenever you receive prayer, just you want to just take another moment and stand or else you want to go back to your seat, that's fine. Lord, you see every need that's represented here in this house today. Both of those who are standing at the front and those, Lord, who couldn't be here and somebody standing on their behalf. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that what you provided at the cross 2,000 years ago, you provided the blood to cover and to forgive us all of our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And by your stripes we're healed, Lord. Thank you for the provision of the cross. Thank you, Lord, today that we can claim that inheritance that belongs to the child of God. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Thank you, Lord, for your power that flows from Calvary and touches us. Bless you, Lord, it has not diminished. Thank you, Lord, that it's still available. Thank you, Lord, that it's still powerful as ever. Lord, today, Lord, as we pray and as we rebuke the evil one who would want to latch on, Lord, to people and want to crush them and bring them down in sickness and illness, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're in our midst today by your Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here this morning. Thank you that you're working here this morning. You're doing your gracious work amongst us this morning. And we bless you for that. In the name of Jesus. Brother, where are you? Those of you here, help me. Where are you? Just come up here because I want to pray. Father, we lay hands upon Billy for Karen. Lord, she needs your healing touch right now. Lord, we rebuke the evil one, the wicked one, Lord, who would come in to steal, kill, and destroy. We rebuke him in Jesus' name. Let go of this life in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. We believe for healing for Karen. Complete and total deliverance for Karen in Jesus' name. Lord, from the crown of her hand to the soles of her feet, let it be so in Jesus' name. Lord, we claim your word today and we thank you for it. Lord, let there be an immediate improvement. Let your healing begin, Lord, right now until every trace of that is out of her body in the name of Jesus.
Let her be fit and well, Lord, and enjoy life in Jesus' name. And Lord, touch Billy too, Lord, and every physical ailment that he's got. Lord, let your Holy Spirit move upon him in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ethna, in the name of Jesus, be healed in Jesus' name. Let your heart be healed in Jesus' name. Let your heart be strong in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We claim it according to your word, Lord. It's ours. We receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father in the name of Jesus we lay hands upon our precious brother Lord you know the need you know his body needs healed Lord we receive it right now thank you Lord Jesus you created us you can make us whole in Jesus name Lord, let your healing power flow through Wilson right now. Crown of his hand to the soles of his feet, O God. Lord, right into his belly. Let it be whole in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Lord. We receive it right now. Lord, you said whatever we would ask in prayer, believing we shall receive it. We're believing in prayer. We shall receive it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, let it be so according to your word. In Jesus' name. Let him be whole. Wholeness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Bless the Lord. Fellas, if you just want to dip in there and just go just go ahead and, and just go ahead and just lay hands and pray. Bless the Lord. My sweetheart. Lord, we pray for little Aaliyah. We thank you for this precious little life. She's your little lamb. Lord, we pray for healing for her skin. Lord, that you would make her whole in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would touch her in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're tired, aren't you? Yes. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for Graham today. We lay hands upon him according to your word. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Lord, we claim your promise today. Thank you, Lord. Whatever things you desire when we pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Touch, Lord, this back, Lord. Heal this body in Jesus' name, Lord. Heal him, Lord. Bring your strength into him in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Lord, we pray for David. Lord, this young man needs your touch. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, every part of his body, Lord, every part, Lord, of this chest, Lord, Lord, whatever's causing this, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. Let it be gone in Jesus' name. And let the strength of God fill this body in Jesus' name. Lord, he's your child, Lord. He's a young man, Lord. He needs the strength, Lord. Father, touch him today. Let it be so according to your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we claim it for Christ. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord. Yes. 
There you go. Father, I pray for 